0: Hello, everybody. I'm honored to be here with Professor Sekat Chaudhary. He's the faculty director of management entrepreneurship and and the technology program at UC Berkeley, as well as the Berkeley Haas Entrepreneurial Hub. And I also have to mention this a former faculty member at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. So, Sekat, thank you for joining us today. I'm honored that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule to join us. And I see you're in sunny. California. So it's great to have you. It's great to see you. It's
1: wonderful to be here, Bob. Thanks so much for inviting me. And yes, I am enjoying the weather, amongst other things, out here in the Bay Area.
0: And uh, so I just wanted to talk for a little bit with you about what's happening with AI or artificial intelligence. The newspapers have been full lately of articles about ChatGBT and a host of other similar products and offerings. What can you tell us what's happening in that area? It's an
1: exciting field Um, as you know Bob AI has been something that's been talked about for so long decades in fact and I think for me what ChatGPT has allowed us to do is to have a moment where everyone can have a tangible interaction with AI for the first time think about it like with cryptocurrency and blockchain so blockchain technology was so abstract to most people but once Bitcoin came and cryptocurrency came, there was an application that everybody could really think about and and look at and understand and also engage with. And for me, ChatGPT represents that kind of moment for artificial intelligence as well. Not to mention that when you've got thousands and thousands of applications coming up really, really quickly, and on top of it, billions of people or at least hundreds of millions of people using it, the training that we're giving the ai algorithms is phenomenal and as a result they're going to be developing even faster as a result so it accelerates its development but this is a very exciting moment for artificial intelligence a very tangible use that all of us can actually deploy and so it's a for me it's a, it's a huge uh, revolutionary uh, innovative change
0: and i guess you know i feel it's it's going to change almost every aspect of our lives whether whether it be at work or at home, or you know, if you have a question about your medical issues or anything on this, and where do you see the biggest changes happening from AI?
1: I think all of what you said. I mean, for me, AI is a general-purpose technology. So whether it's the sophisticated applications, such as if you think about it, the ability to diagnose conditions. You know, we already see how AI algorithms are able to detect cancer or detect glaucoma um, better in some cases than the human doctors are. And one thing I want to highlight there is that the combination of the human expertise together with the algorithm actually leads to the best results. But um, it's not just that. I think you pointed towards it. What's happening is that ChatGPT is becoming, think about it as a more sophisticated search engine for us, right? So uh, it's not just about pointing you to a bunch of results. If you can articulate the prompt in a correct way, it can write for you. You know, It can do things like um, search information for you, it can prepare speeches for you, it can even help us with our lectures. So those are big applications. Um, and then on the industrial side, I mean, think about automating plants even more, decision-making on that front, think about better inventory management, all those things on the supply chain. I think the applications of AI across sectors, whether it's transportation, information technology, healthcare, education, finance, everywhere. In finance, think about the robots which are already doing robo-advising and um, different ways of handling your portfolios. All of that is up for change. For me, it's like what happened when the internet first came in the late, mid to late 90s during that time, which you and I remember. Uh, it really changed every aspect of our lives and partly in ways that we couldn't even imagine. So I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg right at the beginning. And there's a lot more to
0: come. And it, and, and while we could think about some of the unintended consequences, why don't we look at it the other way? Where are some areas that you feel as if we could take advantage of AI and which businesses are on the cusp of taking the most advantage of it? Just before we interviewed, or we started the interview, you and I were talking briefly about Google and Microsoft. But where do you think are the areas that we could take the most advantage of this?
1: Oh, so many different areas, right? I mean,
0: for in terms of
1: a better search engine, that's one area where I think this is the direction that it's headed. And it's not surprising. Because if you look at it, Microsoft is the one that invested in OpenAI, right? And, and they were the ones who were trying with Bing for a while, couldn't quite uh, crack Google's dominance in the search space. So they're gonna do something about it. But um, for me, AI represents the first draft for everything. I'm embracing it. So you know, many universities and schools are concerned and I understand completely their concerns about you know, authentic work and plagiarism and all these other things. But for me, this will raise the bar for all of us and all the work that we do. So whenever you have to write a speech or a lecture, or when we have an essay to write or a paper to write, if you can get a very sophisticated sourcing of information and even compile that in a particular way, I'm not saying that's the end product, but it's a great first draft, then you can begin at that point. And then you can apply your ingenuity, the human ingenuity, in order to take it to the next level. You know? So I think that's, a, that's going to be a big application in everyday use. From a business point of view, I think in terms of productivity, I mean, if you think about, for example, coding and programming, we always talk about the shortage of of software developers, right? Now, AI is going to help us to make coding a lot easier, especially if you think about it, there's so many applications where we're not developing necessarily new products, right, or new services, but it's about improving how the website looks, or it's about basically implementing a piece of code to achieve some sort of functionality, all of that can be given to the algorithm that can now work on these things in an intelligent way. And then, of course, you need someone to look over it and check it and make sure it does what you need it to, but also add to it. I think that's another area. A third area is going to be absolutely um, healthcare, because for me, the ability to now intelligently analyze data. You know, we talk about big data and analytics, AI on top of just collecting data is really what gives us the predictive power. So that's going to be transformative in addition to diagnoses, right? So it's not only understanding treatment options, but just diagnoses. So imagine how much work the radiologist can now do um, and how much more accurate we'll get if they have assistance of a particular kind as well. I do think, though, that we still need humans for a while to be able to uh, you know, really calibrate, understand, interpret, but also improve and catch errors? I don't think we're quite there yet where we can just let uh, robots rule the world.
0: Well, I don't know, maybe it was 100 years ago they didn't have calculators and, and people did it in their head or on paper and now there's calculators and now there's spreadsheets. And so we're moving along on this. And a lot of the things that you're mentioning... I guess in the future, if someone looks back at this podcast, they're going to say, oh, yeah, of course. Who's kidding? Of course that happened. And there's so many other things. But I'm starting to think about what other areas will be affected by this. You know, people who work as assistants or support personnel or maybe lawyers, you know, if they're doing research because they're in the process of they're in the business of putting together words in many cases. And- Bob, I completely
1: agree with you, and this is the concern that people have, right? It's the so-called white collar jobs, which are now going to be affected as well, right? Some knowledge-based work as well. So undoubtedly, right? Undoubtedly, there's going to be some impact there um, where, you know, understandably, there's some concern as a result as well. Anything which has to do with professional services, there, we're going to see some sort of impact, right? Because the basic tasks are going to be ones which others can now, you know, hand over to the algorithm, right? So like you said, the assistant, we've already started moving in that direction with digital assistants, right? And now it's a lot more sophisticated. You can talk to um, your phone and, and ask questions, and this is now going to be a lot more sophisticated, particularly because, you know, a long time ago, assistants used to perhaps, you know, understand exactly how the person they were working with, the person they were working for, used to say reply or think. And that went away for a little bit because we're not used to having as many assistants, perhaps, you know, as uh, we're we're used to. And in executive ranks, perhaps it's still there, but in many professions, now you can have that again, right? And, And you can see that just in simple applications. When you write an email, if you're using Google and it's suggesting certain language, I've noticed an improvement over time in adopting my language as opposed to just any synonym that uh, comes up or any phrase that comes up. And and so I think it's there. authors, you know, we have that art, music, I mean, there's so many applications of AI in the creative fields as well. So it's beyond just writing. But I completely agree with you, we have to get used to this new reality. Now, I'm a little bit optimistic in the sense that, you know, we only a little bit. I'm very optimistic, I should say, in the sense that when you, when you look at it, you were referencing past examples, right? I mean, you look at, if you look at automation and the industrial revolution and all these things, in the end, they helped us grow our GDP, grow the economy, add new products and services and, to our economy, right? And so the doomsday scenario where people don't have anything to do and we have mass joblessness and all these things, I don't think that's going to be the case because people can't envision yet all the different new products and services that will come as a result of having the basic tasks taken care of i believe in human ingenuity at the same time what is of concern is the rapid pace at which it's happening now right if it's slow then there's no issue
0: but it's interesting like you know years ago uh, 100 years ago the trains had firemen well you don't need firemen anymore and then 30 years ago, people, 20 years ago, people had secretaries and lots of secretaries or stenography pools, and you don't need them anymore. But it's also interesting. I've noticed over the last few years, the airlines are, are using this more. If they see that bad weather's coming, in the past, you saw on the news, people were hanging out at the airport because there were snow delays. And now you're getting emails from the airlines saying, don't bother coming. We're not going to send your flight out tomorrow because there's a hurricane coming there. And it's got to save time and effort and... It's really changed our lives that you know, and that also what happened 10 or 15 years ago, you were on an airplane, you were circling over the city that you're going to land and that doesn't happen anymore. So yeah, it's just,
1: undoubted. Undoubtedly, and, I think all of those are potential applications. What you're alluding to is that people always look at how technology substitute for human work. But we can do so many more things with new technologies, right? It's not that they're just substituting for something. They're actually allowing us new functionality. All the things that you mentioned, call center workers, for example, I mean, all of that is there will be some, but it won't be in the same numbers if your digital um, chatbots get a lot more sophisticated. You know, when you look at Alibaba, for example, it's got something very sophisticated where if you go with a customer service complaint, they want you to turn on your camera. It's actually a robot, but it uses very sophisticated algorithms to understand based on your biometrics, what is your emotion at the time? You know, Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Um, are you calm? Um, and those are the kinds of things which we will also start seeing. Everywhere where people can cut down on the human labor for basic tasks and make it more efficient, I think they will. And that that is something we saw when uh, farm equipment came into the picture as well. And so it changed the nature of agriculture, for instance, right? Undoubtedly so. At the same time, when you look at it, especially in maybe the last ten years or so, there's so many other ways in which we've needed um, people to support. Where you know, let's say, for instance, people have gotten busier over time, right? So they're willing to pay a premium. For someone to curate say your travel experience for you or make recommendations for you some of those things can be done automatically through a technology tool others require somebody who understands you but i think that the higher value added tasks are going to be the ones that that people do um, and uh, and some of the lower value added tasks that can be taken over are what um, the machine is going to essentially do for us Ultimately, we're going to be able to do more things. I mean, think about a whole immersive world, for example, AR, VR, and the universe, how it can evolve based on your needs as well. That's partly a technology solution, right? Um, but then if you combine it with the human experience, if you look at it, we're still people. And ultimately, we like going places. We like enjoying things and experiences. Think about theme parks, for instance. We can enhance all, right? So all of that can be done with AI, but it'll actually require more people, to give us the kinds of experiences that we want.
0: Well, people in different, instead of someone just pushing a button to start a ride, you're going to need people to design the rides to deal with that. But it just it, you know, amazes me about just how travel has become much more efficient, how our, our lives have become much more efficient, yeah. that we now know from uh, various applications, Waze is one of them, Where which way to, if we're going someplace, how to be more efficient in driving and how long, when's the best time to leave or when we expect to arrive, but what businesses, any businesses in particular that you think will benefit from this or any things that you feel will be hurt?
1: I think every business can benefit from this. I mean, let's take a business we haven't talked about retail, for example. Um, one of the big challenges right now is we've kind of either got this online offering where you have to go search for things and then uh, hope that it fits, for example, in terms of apparel, or you have to go into the store to be able to uh, try something on, right? Uh, Or it involves like you ordering a whole bunch of things that you don't need and then returning them again. If we've got better technology that is able to understand not not just technology that allows you to use your camera for instance, and superimpose what these glasses look like for you or that clothes but ones which begin to understand your style and influence that. Think about online fashion advisors that are driven by digital assistants, right? Think about that kind of activity that we can do or it's supported, right? I mean, you were talking about the people in the store as everything goes online as well. Well, those are folks who can use those tools to help you to make decisions. So there's so many things of that sort that we can do as well. Um, I think that we have to think about it as if we eliminate certain jobs, where are the new opportunities for augmented services that people are going to pay for? So if retail has become, say, commoditized in so many different ways, where can we get that extra special um, interaction back with the customer? So all of a sudden, you don't need to hire a whole bunch of people to just be in the store for basic tasks, but you can make them your personal assistant as a person, right? And you can say, okay, we've got a bunch of technology tools for you online to look at these things and virtually sort of try things on. I'm your personal assistant now who's going to help you. Does that look good? Does that not look good? In the comforts of your home, you can direct the same people to do these kinds of value added tasks, for example, right? So I think every industry is going to benefit for the same reason. New functionality, new efficiency. What's going to be hurt? Well, clearly, you know, if you think about the lower value added services, the basic tasks, think about data entry, for example, basic programming, call center assistants, um, perhaps legal clerks, you know, I mean, these are the kinds of jobs, where you're going to see a lot of change taking place, right. Um, And the important part is that we educate and help the structure um, to evolve, you know, help the employee base to evolve, right training towards more knowledge based societies. I think all that's important operating the machine, instead of doing the task yourself, even on the factory floor. All of these things are really, really important. We need to upgrade, I mean, to upskill
0: everyone. Well, you know, you also think about it, you know, when a business is saying, how many of these items should they manufacture? They could have better control over the demand and they could cut down on their storage costs and their their production costs. And if you go to a physician and they don't know whether to to prescribe three units of the medicine a day or four units, maybe this could help a lot more or if there's different alternatives, So it's all pretty interesting, but now at the same time, when we're talking about how it's gonna help people, what about areas, you know, we've read a lot lately about layoffs. Is that as a result of, what do you think is causing all these layoffs?
1: Lots of different things, you know, so uh, if you'll notice the tech sector is really strongly affected. Um, Of course, there are layoffs across the board in view of the fact that we've got these macroeconomic shocks coming out of the pandemic, which is still not quite done but also the war in Ukraine, all these other issues are clearly a shock to the system. But in tech, what's happening is it extends beyond that, you know, so that those factors affect the tech sector as well. But there's also an effect that's beyond that. If you think about it, the tech sector has had a 10 plus year run when it comes to incredible growth. So I'm not particularly surprised just from an economic cycle point of view that it had to come to a slowdown at some point in time. Not only that, in the pandemic, the tech sector is one of those which actually benefited in the sense of they hired a lot of people because people were moving digital right, in so many different ways, whether it's e-commerce or companies moving to it and how they interact with clients, how they manage their entire operation, and they overhired. And so now they're just adjusting it. Net-net, if you look at it, the number of jobs that were created in the last three or four years far outweigh the number of layoffs that we've seen right now, even though it's obviously disconcerting to any individual who's affected. I did a comparison to look at what happened in the dot-com era uh, and compared it to now, and I wanted to investigate, is it the same Same kind of bubble? And yes, when you look at the S&P 500, it's a very similar pattern when it comes to the growth and what happened in March 2000 and March 2022, which is when the layoffs started in the tech sector. But if you look a little bit more closely, we're actually uh, reacting uh, in a manner and at a time so that we can arrest some of that development and not have it get to that same point. If you look at the price to earnings ratios, for example, of the largest companies, big tech companies at the time then, say the Cisco's of this world compared to the Google's of this world now, um, it's much better than it used to be. It's not quite as high. It was over 100 back uh, in the um, the dot-com bubble. Bursting. So when you're
0: saying better, you mean that the P ratios are lower?
1: Are they're lower. Exactly right. You know, and so now it's usually in the, the 20s or so. I don't know if that's also good. It's also a sign of exuberance, but it is better in terms of not being the price to earnings ratio is not being as high. In other words, us not being um, as overvalued as before. And even if you look at the startups and the valuations, the average The average valuation, or more specifically, the average size um, of an investment is about half um, for a given startup in a particular deal now than it was back then. So for me, those are signs that we weren't as overvalued right now. Perhaps we're reacting at the right time. And for me, that's good because ultimately we want to be in a stronger, more sustainable position as we come out of this. We don't want a massive crash. Um, And so that piece is there. Of course, the additional factor that's come is Silicon Valley Bank Um, And more generally, other banks and and, uh, their wobbliness at the moment, um, given the interest rates, but also the exuberance that was exhibited uh, in terms of investments and what they invested in. So the financial system is also a little bit shaky at the moment. So that's adding to the mix. Ultimately, I think all of this will make us more sustainable. So I'm looking forward to another period of growth
0: once this resolves. And it's also interesting when you look at what's happened in, in terms of this, can AI help the government? Do we have to wait until the first Friday of the month to get this report, or the second Thursday to get that report? Maybe they're going to be able to know this information on a real-time basis going into the future, and they can predict, it. and the same thing applies for the Federal Reserve or bank economists when they're deter- or risk managers of banks. I think the same thing could happen there as well compiling
1: information putting it together basic analysis presenting all that to you all of those things whether in b2c or b2b they're all going to be much easier in fact many people don't realize there are algorithms which write many articles already in the washington post was one of the first after jeff bezos took over to actually um, use robots to write articles so when you look at basic informational articles you know updates on election results sports and so forth those are written um, by and large, by essentially robots, you know, and uh, with minimal editorial um, influence uh, or intervention, it's the more sophisticated articles that the journalists are focusing on these days. So we're already seeing it. And we did, perhaps we didn't even notice what's going on and how much AI has become a part of our lives. And all the areas you were talking about supply chain management, inventory forecasting, um, being able to understand demand better, analyzing the patterns, AI has been in use. And this will now be what's going on right now will amplify that and really scale up by or an order of magnitude the
0: application of all these things. And then you also think, let's say in a local municipality, they don't know what their elementary school enrollment is basically until the day or two after or before or after school starts. And now they could predict it. And do we have are, are we building too many schools are building too little or do we have too many classrooms and it just seems like it could it could save an awful lot of money it could allow us to focus and maximize our resources
1: yeah for me what was missing in the whole anal- you know big data and analytics discussion earlier was we were good at amassing huge amounts of data, but we've been doing that for decades. I mean, supermarkets have been collecting your your information based on that rewards card that you have for decades, right? We didn't know what to do with all that information. And we had very rudimentary ways of analyzing it. Artificial intelligence is what allows us to take that information, automatically process it, and give us something that we can make decisions on, right? I mean, that's really what's going to be powerful, that predictive power. You know, if you think about a different area, Spotify, for instance, right? Um, it does a much better job of predicting music and it'll get only better. They have this uh, the DJ, uh, essentially what it is, is a DJ basically to compile music for you, which is based on ChatGPT and artificial intelligence technologies that they launched about a month ago. And from what I've been hearing, it's been doing really well in terms of the satisfying people and having your personal DJ and not just having to compile your playlist yourself. And having very, you know, earlier, it was about some basic suggestions of what music you may like. Now it's a lot more sophisticated. And uh, imagine that at a party with an automatic DJ. Well,
0: and it, it, it seems, it, it, but it seems neat, but it's still, you know, I go back to when I go into a search bar in Google and I start typing one or two letters and it pretty much knows where I'm going on this. And it could type the whole sentence of what my, my question may be. And obviously, you know, maybe it's based on my patterns or what's the patterns out there in the. Uh, in, in, with other people at the same time. So it's it, to me, it's just, it's just, it's overwhelm. It's it's not, it's overwhelmingly brilliant. But at the same time, I think if we look back at what we're saying today in two or three years, we're going to say, sure, how rudimentary and how basic they were and look how it's evolved since then. So it's, it's, it's a very exciting future.
1: I completely agree with you. And if you look at the number of new job opportunities, coming back to that point that we started with early on, it's actually going to create because. All of these areas you know, are witnessing, whether it's the big companies who are investing the Microsofts, the Googles, or the Amazons, but also all the new startups that have come up just in the last six months to take advantage of this new technology and create all these applications for efficiency that you're talking about and help us do new things, right? It's a tremendous stimulator of the economy. So those are some of the areas that are going to be utilizing all this. We can fight climate change better, right? I mean, we have so much data and information. We don't know what to do with it. Weather forecasting has been benefiting from AI and predictive power, but now it's going to be accelerated. So hopefully it's going to get much more accurate. There's so many areas like that. And I see jobs coming up left and right. The data support this actually. You know, one thing I was doing is as I was looking at the comparisons between the bubble then and bubble now, um, I, I was looking at where jobs being created. In fact, there's so many new jobs in the startup space being created even now, which are based on uh, AI and ChatGPT, because this is now the the wave of the future. And as you're saying, ubiquitous, we will have it in our daily lives, just like you use the Google search engine. It's going to be another thing that affects, penetrates every single aspect of what every business and every individual does. We won't even think about it twice. Give it like a few years. It's going to be very much part of our psyche. Think
0: about the commuters who don't have to wait a long time for the train or the bus to come. And we're going to be able to maybe hopefully predict where there's going to be forest fires or other natural disasters. And it seems like we've come an awfully long way from Herman Melville's book, Bartleby to Scrivener, where their job was just to copy over by hand what someone else wrote. And they made six or seven copies of that by hand. So it's That's amazing. Right. And see how much
1: we could scale once we could we we didn't have to do that by hand anymore and how many people used it and how much more it's created in terms of economic growth and jobs and everything that's the kind of model i also expect so i um, i'm very optimistic both in terms of the potential of the technology to transform our lives and businesses but also in terms of new jobs that will be created new opportunities that will be created that people can do so i'm very 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 bullish on the future
0: well anytime there's change there's opportunity And you've taken some time today just to tell us about some of these opportunities. And like you, I'm extremely optimistic about the future. And um, is there anything else you want to add? You've just been great. And it's just been it's always enjoyable speaking with you. And I'm glad you're able to take the time to talk to us today. But Do you have any other thoughts or comments you want to mention? More
1: philosophical, that's all. You know, just embrace the future, embrace the changes. We're at the on the cusp of something big, revolutionary change that'll benefit all of our lives. Let's take advantage of it. At the same time, I do wanna say we need some regulation. We need some policy. And policymakers tend to be a little bit behind because like you were alluding to as well, every technology also has a dark side. There are always negative externalities as an economist would say, some sort of uh, applications which are not so positive. So if you look at it in terms of manipulation, in terms of fraud, so many potential areas, right? I mean, look at how impersonation can take place with AI technology as well, right? So we need to be careful of that. We need to monitor that and have, make sure that the regulation and the policies um in our society also keep up right it's very very important we have that so we can we can get the benefits of the positive uses and applications of the technology of ai and chat gpt and so forth but that we uh, we manage to stem and, and and really handle all the negative applications because there will be bad actors uh, in the system as well
0: there will be you know we i remember when i was in high school or elementary school there was a janitor who walked around and we all had that with dozens and dozens of keys on their belt. And now those were locks for doors. And now we have passwords and those passwords have been breached. So we, as our technology gets better, our, our, our preventions and our security systems have to get better as well on this. But that's really all that I have for today. I can't thank you enough for your time today. And um, just thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Bob. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I uh, look forward to chatting more in the future.
0: Well, hopefully we could do one of these again in the future and maybe uh, ChatGBT can can predict when we're going to have this in the future